and welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin. Hello, Gavin. Hi, how's it going? It is going great. It is wonderful to see you. Uh, likewise. Digitally, likewise. that is. It would be nicer in person. I do enjoy your company, but this once a week video hangout will have to suffice for now. It's one of the greatest video hangouts of all time, or at least of this week. Of all time, every time. So each week That's it gets right. better and better. There you go. Yeah. How are you doing today on this Wednesday afternoon? You know, I'm doing quite well. Uh, took a couple of walks on the beach today with uh, Otis. Nice. We had a good good time. It's 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 a ghost land out here. Whoa. And I'm not complaining because I can let Otis off the leash and air the ball out. Nice. So very cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. Good. Venice Beach obviously is usually pretty bumping no matter what day of the week, but it's the holidays. It's yeah. been some interesting weather, at least where I am. I mean, it's been freakishly cold, foggy, and then rainy the last couple of days. The interesting part is yeah. with this massive amount of rain coming in, it's actually warmed up by like 15 degrees. It's funny. The rain hit here last night, mm-hmm. and it was super chilly beforehand. And you're, you're right. It's warmed up. But I do want to thank uh, all the airlines for canceling all the flights for people coming back to L.A. because, man, oh, man, oh, warm no. beach, empty just for me. Oh, what was empty? The war, it's a warm beach, empty oh, just for me. I thought you were going to say that your significant other was stuck on the East Coast. Oh, no, no. she She's still there. Okay. But she, she'll be making her way back. Unfortunately, it got pushed to the new year, but she'll be back and uh, and we'll be waiting for her. Otis will we'll be very happy to have her home, so will I. Yeah, for our listeners not in the country of the United States of America, there has been a chaotic amount of flight cancellations over the last couple of days. I'm sure... Everybody has at least one friend that's been affected by it, but it is, uh, for lack of a better term, and you know what? I will use a better term. I will just say it has been chaotic. So for all of our friends that have been affected by these cancellations, I'm sorry you're going through what you're going through. We've all been there. It sucks. You're traveling. You just want to get home. And instead, you're told, sorry, your flight's canceled. There's nothing we can do about it. Call this number with all these other people calling and just hope that you get another plane ticket in the next couple of days. And that number is a Greyhound bus station. Yeah. <laughs> or rent a car <laughs> and drive yourself 13 hours to whatever state yeah. you live in. Because, once again, America is huge. Even California. You know, I drove three hours to where we were going for Christmas. In obviously a lot of European countries, you drive three hours and you've already gone through, you know, multiple countries. How was your Christmas? It was good. It was good. It was mellow. You know, it's chill. It's, it's, it's that, it's that time last year was a little strange. And then this Mm -hmm. year, you know, it's the, the end of old traditions, but the beginning of what will be new, beautiful traditions. I have multiple nephews and nieces you know, I have two, I have a grown nephew and niece. They're the eldest of the bunch. They're both college students now. I've got two in between, kind of like middle school ones. And then I have one, two, three, four now young, young, like, you know, baby to 
second grade age. So with that, with, you know, the young kids, Christmas really should be about them, right? So it's yeah. it's all about starting new traditions. And, you know, eventually it's just going to be Christmas at their individual houses. And we'll have to travel there as opposed to going where we used to go. And then obviously, you know, with my dad's passing last year, that changes things big time. And a couple years before that, my grandma passed away and we never went there for Christmas, but there was always Christmas festivities at her house, right? Right. So it's just a lot of uh, changes, and but I'm always I'm looking forward to the future. And we had a nice mellow time, and I got some awesome gifts for those of you that follow me on social media. You saw that I've got Arrow Videos Shawscope Volume Two, the second release <laughs> of remastered Shaw Brothers films. I've yes. already watched two films, so. Today, I actually watched uh, The Magnificent Ruffians, which was a oh. first-time watch for me. So, How was that? It was great. It was great. You know, uh, classic Changcha, Five Venoms type movie. You know, the character types that these individual actors typically play. It falls in line with the plot of this film. Uh, for example, Lo Meng, Lu Feng, they're playing, you know, the same characters that they were playing in other films, right? You can kind of just pull them from one and put them in the next. Still highly entertaining and an incredible weapons finale. So that was very cool. It was a first time watch for me. So I'm excited to check out some of the other ones in that pack. And then uh, I got a couple of other great things for Christmas as well. How about yourself? Uh, what did you end up doing? I well, I doing a little staycation with Otis. So Otis and I, uh, we took a little walk on the beach. It's par for the course these these days, but had a lot of fun doing that. And then uh, gave a call to Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham, my man, and he was on the way to the airport. Yeah, I texted. Uh, him. I was like, I'm okay. not even going to bother. Uh, so I texted him later that night, knowing he'd uh, already have been home or back to Canada, I should say. And he got my text and we texted and I was like, all right, that'll, that'll be good. I'll be seeing yeah. him soon when he gets back. We, we, he was on his way to the airport and our uh, our good friend and union design designer and teammate uh, Herman Balthazar was driving him to the airport. So uh, after he dropped PD off, Herman popped on up, uh, went to your favorite spot, Cafe Collage, had some breakfast, uh, hung out for a little while. Uh, Otis got to meet Max and vice versa. They seem to be getting along. And then after that, I went over to uh, one of my colleagues' home, one of my friends' home, who uh, was having a Christmas feast for her family. And I was invited to join that. So it was great. And a lot of more, a lot of movie talk because uh, they they love movies at that at their house. So a lot of movie talk over the Christmas feast. Do they appreciate martial arts cinema? They do appreciate martial arts cinema. They are a little green when it comes to martial arts cinema. So it's like a blank slate. So did so get, you have them subscribe and download our podcast? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to. I'm going to trick them into doing that. Nice. I'm going to recommend them. They watch a movie that we may or may not be reviewing today, uh-huh. which I actually already did recommend they watch it. And then I'm going to send them the episode so they can listen to it. Nice. And, and appreciate the film even further if that's even possible, because what a film it is. What a film it is. And it was your suggestion. And I thought, wow, great, great suggestion. Our first episode of the new year. It's technically a Chinese New Year release from back in the day. So once again, not Chinese New Year, but other New Year. So they fall hand in hand. So we'll be getting to talking about that soon. On the martial arts movie news front, anything catch your eye this past week? 
Well, we did have a little uh, survey from Black Belt Magazine on Twitter that we'll address in a little bit. But other than that, no no new news uh, from yeah. last week. What about you? Uh, not so much movie news. Once again, it was Christmas week, not a whole lot going on. But unfortunately, it was announced that Stefan Bonner passed away, uh, oh. an OG in the UFC. His fight with Forrest Griffin is kind of... I shouldn't say kind of, is the reason the UFC took off in the mainstream. Their fight, which was the finale of the very first uh, Ultimate Fighter season, put the UFC into the mainstream. I mean, it was one of those fights where the viewership went up exponentially as the fight started. Because we're talking about, you know, old school, still regular cable for most people. And everyone was calling their friends like, you have to turn this on. And I don't know the exact numbers, but... All I know is over that five round fight, the viewership just kept increasing, increasing. And because of that fight, the UFC took off. So he is an OG, a pioneer in the sport, and he unfortunately passed away. Still no word as to what happened. But instead, we should focus more on all of his accomplishments and what he did for the sport of mixed martial arts and our condolences to his family and friends. Because it's always sad when someone, you know, that young, yeah, age 45, passes away. It, it's it's shocking, to say the least. Yeah. So uh, aside from that, nothing really new that caught my eye. So what about this Black Belt Magazine survey? So this, bla- this Black Belt Magazine survey on Twitter, they asked a simple question. Who is the greatest martial arts actor? And... So- you know, there there's some thoughts that initially pop up, but then you start going into rabbit holes. So it's it's not an actor that's obviously learned some martial arts for a role. It's a martial artist who acts. Do they necessarily have to do martial arts on screen? I don't know. But with that said, I'm going to yield the floor because I went down a rabbit hole on this one. Well, it's how do you define it? Martial arts actor. Does that mean they have to be a martial artist that's also an actor or just a martial arts actor, someone like, say, Jackie or Samo that grew up in the right. opera and went straight into the movies? Or does it need to be a martial artist actor, someone that started off as a martial artist first, like, say, Chuck Norris or something along those lines? Yeah. So, do, and do they have to be a professional? Mar- like, do right. they have to have it like pro fights, et cetera, like Don the Dragon Wilson? Or can they be someone who's trained under a professional fighter who's had a had a great stellar career as an actress, say, like a John Cusack? Um so with that said, they did have actor in all caps. So obviously they were stressing the actor side or someone who, as a martial artist, performs well, well as I an would, actor. I would define it as martial arts actor, meaning an actor who did primarily martial arts film or films or exclusively martial arts films. So I, I wouldn't even spend you too much even, time thinking about it. So, for example, I wouldn't count easy. someone like... Cusack. John Cusack, because he's not a martial arts actor. He has done martial arts on screen before, say anything. He plays a kickboxer, gross mm-hmm. point blank. He has the wonderful fight scene with his sensei, Sensei Benny the Jet. But also I wouldn't, you know, once again, it's like Sensei Benny the Jet wouldn't necessarily count because he doesn't have the filmography needed to be a quote unquote martial arts actor full time. You know what I mean? He's one of the greatest champions ever. But I would think more along the lines of a Jean-Claude Van Damme, Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee, et cetera, et cetera. Someone that, you know, Dolph Lundgren would be a in-between that would count. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because he did enough not only action films but martial arts-based ones where he's doing martial arts on screen. But I think we can all agree that probably the greatest martial arts actor of all time is Rudy Ray Moore as Dolomite. 
Absolutely. Without a you, doubt. You've solved the issue. I've solved it. So let's move on. No. <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, because, uh, you know, when I was initially trying to respond, it was going to respond with a few names. Uh, and then I started going down a little bit of a rabbit hole. I had just watched Accident Man when this, too, when this had appeared. So I'm like, well, Scott Atkins is definitely. He could be a, considered. A Come on. Yeah. Especially I mean, he, in the 21st century, without a doubt. But then yeah. it's like, okay, now I'm thinking 21st century specifically. It's so funny. I automatically was thinking old school. Of you course. You think, okay, Tony Jaw, right? Iko Uas. Right. There's so many. I think. That question, the answer is going to be based a lot about who you grew up watching, what your preferences are. Like I could say who mine is. You know, I could instinctively say something like, oh, Jackie Chan, maybe, or Sammo Hung. I can tell you my good friend, Antonio Grishefo, the Brooklyn monk. Uh, Check out the episode I did with him from last year or so. He's going to say something probably like Chuck Norris because he grew up. Started and started doing martial arts in the 70s, right? And so Chuck Norris was the man back then. Mm-hmm. So he may go more along those lines. Uh, it really depends. I mean, it, I think it, all over people could say Bruce Lee, and Bruce Lee may be the one I say. I mean, he had a huge influence on me growing up. But once again, Library of Work doesn't have as many films, right? So maybe the criteria is based upon what they contributed to martial arts cinema. Now, Bruce Lee contributed a hell of a lot. We wouldn't have what we have now if not for him. But then someone like Jackie or Jackie Chan, you look at their filmography, their library of work, hundreds of movies. What I mean, and where I was going with this was essentially as a martial artist who has turned in maybe the greatest acting performances. And then, so for me, I gravitate towards Sammo Hung with Pedicab Driver Mm -hmm. or of course, uh, Samuel Hung with SPL, fantastic performances that are that are complicated, uh, and then you know anyone who plays a villain usually has some great acting chops. Uh, my mind also then started going into well, which actors do I know who are practicing martial artists who were actors? So of course John Cusack came up, and then of course Peter Sellers came up as well uh, because I believe he has a black belt in judo, and so even though he joked around with uh, his uh, martial arts. In the Inspector Clouseau series, Pink Panther series, allegedly, you know, you can never be, you can't, it's really hard to verify facts right? Uh, back then and who knows what uh, uh, studio heads were saying. But anyway. Now, I, it's interesting because you think about also, some have exclusively worked in Hong Kong cinema, Hong Kong or Chinese cinema, you could say. Some have worked exclusively in American cinema. Some have worked across both like Jackie Chan or you think of a dark horse candidate and this would maybe be my vote for today because he worked in both his native Japanese cinema, Hong mm. Kong cinema, Chinese cinema, I believe, like more okay. mainland Chinese, America, and that'd be Haruyuki Sonata, Henry Sonata. Very nice. Who he's, is more known nowadays as being an incredible actor. You know, he's an award, uh, not Academy Award nominated, but a lot of different, an award-winning actor and who's known for many dramatic roles over the last 20 years, but has also done some of the greatest action roles. That's a fantastic choice. He is true. In in, uh, when I was living in Japan, I got to see some of his like acting work that was uh, divorced of say action and his, his acting range is phenomenal. I mean, of course, if we're going to go like classical, we could also talk about the, the henchman from Yojimbo, uh, Tatsuya Nakadai, who is a phenomenal swordsman, at least on screen, and also just one of the one of the greatest living actors uh, today. 
But anyway. Well, there you go. I, but again, I don't know if, what his training was like. Is it uh, four screen training once he got apart? And then that would, like Liam Neeson for taking, then that would. Uh, anyway. Right. We can like, go there. So someone, this, this, yeah. this is the rabbit hole that I went down. So thank you for, for entertaining this rabbit hole with me. Exactly. And someone like Haruyuki Sonata literally came up in under the tutelage of Sunny Chiba and the Japanese Action Club. You watch yep. his martial arts skills and they are phenomenal. Even to this day, I just coincidentally enough rewatched Rush Hour 3 yesterday for oh, the first did. time in a long time. I have a newfound appreciation for it. When it first came out, I was very disappointed in it. It made me laugh out loud a few times this time around. You know, I I kind of went in being less critical. But Hiroyuki Sonata is great in that. Uh, he's a great that, actor, but he's also a great performer uh, with some fantastic fight. Well, a fantastic fight sequence against Jackie Chan. But anyway, uh, let's move on. Yes. Do you have movie quotes for me? Today? I do have two okay. quotes for you. One, I believe, is the easier quote. It's so easy. I'm going to remove the first line okay. and then I can add it in if there's if for a, if you hesitate on it. American life has enfeebled his mind. Too much television. I can give you the first line, which would yes. make it the full quote. Spare him, Lord Raiden. American life has enfeebled his mind. Too much television. That would be the 1995 version of Mortal Kombat. You are yes, correct. Sir. That is when they're at the, the the temple of or the city of, I forget what they call it, the Temple of Lights or the Temple of where Raiden's going home. Yes. You know, he's wondering what happened to his brother. And then the, the head monk is begging Raiden to, you know, spare him. But OK, great, great quote. Great film. Okay. Got to love the OG Mortal Kombat. You got to love this. All right, the next one. I'm truly disappointed. Nobody does anything these days because it's right. They only do it if you make them. Would you like to take a vote on who gets the distribution of uh, who gets the distribution of demonstrating my resolve? <sighs> this sounds like I, a straight to video mm, type mm, one. It's not big. Big, really? Big screen. It's big with Tom Hanks. Wow, wouldn't have guessed that. I don't yes, remember that big scene. with Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, no, but... Uh, I'm truly disappointed. Nobody does anything these days because it's rot. They only do it if you make them. Would you like to vote on who gets the distribution of demonstrating my resolve? Is that supposed to be Michael Parks? No, I did turn him. I turned he him be, a little southern there, a little too southern. southern. So you know what? I he's am, a rich man. He has a manicure. I'm he's clueless. got a lot of power. I'm, uh, Roadhouse? No, that's not. No, this guy has a lot of power, and he holds people in a booth. By the way, I'm ashamed I said Roadhouse because I knew it wasn't Roadhouse, but I was just throwing something out there. Uh, he holds people in a booth. He has a lot of power. He has a lot of power. Okay, and he holds so people in a booth. It's like a fight to the death type movie. No, I would just say his power is almost plural. You know what? Okay, powers booth. Oh, powers booth in uh, <laughs> sudden death. Yes, sorry. Great. That's okay. No, that was great. That was great. You were giving me hints that I was totally oblivious of. Hey, it's 4 p.m., folks. We usually do not record this late. Oh, well, I have no excuse. I'm drinking coffee. It's just been a minute since I've seen sudden death, but I do love powers booth. Now, now I get why you were doing the southern thing because- uh, Powers Booth has it's it's so interesting his yeah like you know I think to obviously Rapid Fire being one of my all time favorites but you having a bad day Jake or what <laughs> it's like I have to plug my nose as Gavin just saw it's like kind of nasally like, yeah it's, it's yeah. like a nasal southern drawl right. that's been made rich with brandy yeah <laughs> I like it I like it 
All right. Well, those are the quotes. Excellent. All right. Well, let's get into talking about our episode. So today we are reviewing the 1988 Chinese New Year Golden Harvest release directed by both Sammo Hung and Corey Yuen, starring Sammo Hung, Jackie Chan, Yuen Biao, and many others. We are talking about Dragons Forever, one of the greatest martial arts films ever made, including one of the greatest fight scenes ever put on film. This movie is also well known for being the last time that the three dragons, Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung, Yuen Biao, all worked together on screen in the same film. Uh, it, it, is, it is an absolute joyride. And you called it the, one of the greatest uh, Hong Kong action films of all time. I would say it's almost, it, it is not almost, it is one of the greatest ensemble action films of all time. And I put that in there with Dirty Dozen, The Great Escape, Commando, and I put it ahead of the Expendable series. It works. It's not gimmicky. It works. Yeah. Not it, Commando. I meant Predator. Okay. I was about to say Commando. Interesting. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, Where uh, all his muscles make up a, yeah. a ensemble <laughs> Hey, Sully, you know how I told you to kill you last? Yeah, man. I lied. Okay, so rewatching this, first of all, I had just rewatched it about two months ago when I had my friends over for Kung Fu Movie Weekend. They had never seen it. This is definitely a Kung Fu comfort film, but it's more than that, too. I can rewatch this because when you suggested it, the first instinct was I just watched that. So mm-hmm. either A, I don't need to rewatch it because I've seen it a million times. I can just talk about it. Or B, I will rewatch it and I'll still highly enjoy it because I can watch this film as many times as I want. That being said, I also have the fabulous 88 films uh, steel book case release. Very nice. And oh my God, it is so glorious on the big screen TV and it is so beautiful looking. You can actually see a lot of things that they probably never wanted you to see. For example, there are a few scenes, and we'll get to this, where some of our stars are doubled. And even on mm-hmm. old copies, my old taped off a TV version that I'll also be getting to here in a second, uh, you could kind of see, well, that wasn't Jackie. Now you can see clearly, oh, yeah, that's Chen Carlock. <laughs> you know, when, I, I, counted, I counted three scenes right. where Jackie was. But on and, this remastered version, I have, my God, you can see it clearly now, even when he's out of focus. That's yeah. how good it is. But, yeah, so let's let's talk first thing. When was the first time you saw this movie? I saw this film. It was after I, I saw Winners and Sinners, Project A at the movie library, which we had discussed previously in Japan. They're like a, a library that had booze. You would go in and tell the librarian what movie you wanted to see. They put it on the, the tiny screen for you. Uh, there was a and local by the way, Gavin said booths, not booze. I thought you said booze at first. And I was like, yeah, nice. Library yeah. with booze. Yeah, yeah, library with booze. Hell yeah. Um, they, um, they didn't have Cyclone Z or... Dragons Forever at the movie library because it had just been released. So the, they usually took a few years for it to get to the movie library. Um, so I went to the local uh, convenience store in the back of the convenience store, which was called Popura, not popular, but Popura, like uh, like the like a leaf. Okay. I, I let's let's keep moving forward. And the back there was a video store, and that's the first time I saw Cyclone Z. And was this around when it came out? Or shortly uh, after? A few years after. Okay. A few years after. So, so early probably, 90s. 
somewhere in the 90s. It was after Operation Condor, uh, but it had to be 92 or later. Okay. For sure. Uh, 92 or later, because uh, that's when we were in Japan. And uh, anyway, rented it, rented a VCR because we didn't have a VCR at the time. Oh, so wow. rented a VCR. And man, oh man, that was a phenomenal first watch. And you know what? This this last watch, I don't know what number this was. I haven't been taking count. Also phenomenal watch. Now, for you, what, what was the first time you saw this? So the first time for me, and real quick, what's the title in Japanese for everybody? Cyclone Z or Cyclone Z. Okay. Uh, and then obviously Dragons Forever. In Mandarin, the title is, uh, so not exactly Dragons Forever. It's Fei Long Meng. Uh, Meng Jiang. So I had to look it up because I didn't know the actual title. But so Fei Long. So we're talking uh, dragon pretty much. And then uh, uh, Meng Jiang. I had to look that up because I didn't actually know what Meng Jiang meant. But it it means like uh, a brave individual. So, uh, yeah. But pretty much for me, the first time I saw this film... Uh, and hold on, I just want to check something real quick, uh, just to make sure that I got AJ's that, downloading his memory right now. Yeah, because uh, I didn't write it down, and I should have. But uh, yeah, no, okay, I got it right. Yeah, Fei Long Meng Jiang. So that's just it's a type of dragon. And then uh, once again, the actual translation is Valiant General. But I looked it up further, and it's like another way to say brave person so like brave dragon as opposed to dragons forever but the first time for me when i saw this was i specifically remember i've talked about this in the past and i've talked about this specific example in the past but i'll bring it up again for our new listeners so we're talking the late 90s i'm already super into jackie chan once again the amount of jackie chan films i had available to me was a little scarce this was right around the same time i would start spending more time at my dad's house where there was a hollywood video and a blockbuster where i grew up uh, at my mom's house a couple towns away we had just the local small video store so your hong kong vhs selection was very scarce but anywho i used to check so on the Sunday newspaper, the big fatty one, back when newspapers were still like a big deal, uh-huh. you got the local TV guide, not the actual branded TV guide. It was a local one that came every week and it gave you the entire schedule for cable and local television. And I believe it was actually in the front. They had an alphabetical order every single movie playing on TV that week. So I would go through every single movie to see if there's any martial arts stuff. And by this point, I used to already get my... Uh, encyclopedia of movies every year, the big book of bones. It was like this kind of dog themed movie encyclopedia where everything was rated with bones instead of stars. And I had already looked up Jackie's filmography, Samuel's filmography. I was so familiar with all of them. And once again, people are like, why don't you just get on the internet? Well, we're talking the late nineties where we had a family computer with dial up and IMDB was like a brand new thing. And I wasn't even allowed to get on the internet by myself compared to, I know it's so funny with kids nowadays, they have it on their phones in their pockets, starting at like age, who knows what, but you know, I'm 10 or even 11 or 12 at this age and I still wasn't allowed to get on the internet by myself. So the TV guide was the way, you know, you check. And so I'm looking through, I'm looking through and then I see dragons forever at 2 AM. So it's playing on TBS, the Superstation, after Sonny Chiba's the street fighter. And at that point I was like, I knew of the street fighter also funny. That would be the first time I watched it. It didn't even finish it. Cause it was an edited for TV version. That was so terrible. Mm. Obviously years later, I'd see the real version. And as we all know, Sonny Chibo's one of my heroes. I love the street fighter, but I digress. So anywho, 
I had to set the VCR, but I never trusted setting a timer. So I stayed up and started recording at like 11 PM. So then the next morning I go to my tape, I have to fast forward three or four hours over. I set it on long play. So it'd be six hours. And there it was dragons forever. The OG golden harvest, English dub version of dragons forever. And I remember watching that and just being wow. blown away. Cause that very well could have been kind of the first contemporary classic golden harvest, Hong Kong film. I saw I'd already seen a handful of old school Kung Fu by that point. I'd seen the Jackie movies of the nineties that were re-released, but we're talking classic eighties era. This may have been the first one for me. And like watching that for the first time, how like I remember for me, it's just like, it's, it's a feeling. But do do you remember that feeling? The the feeling amazement, like a lot of movies back then. The first time seeing them, it's a feeling of excitement. So you're taken to a whole nother world, and you're especially for a kid that like myself, a little bit different for you. Not take away, but you'd already traveled the world. You know, by that age, you lived in Japan. You kind of been a little more all over for me. I was born and raised in the Central Valley, California. I spent a lot of time in the Bay Area, but aside from that going to my grandma's house in Oakland all the time. I really didn't know much outside of my world. So then I see this film, it's set in modern Hong Kong. And even this one, it's not that the backdrop of Hong Kong is a huge deal, but still you see it and you're so intrigued. Mm-hmm. And seeing these three guys that you had read about, Jackie, I was already familiar with Samo by that point. I had maybe seen uh, Incredible Kung Fu Master, aka they call me Fat Dragon because I bought it on VHS from Best Buy. I'm not sure which came first, but- I had read about UNBL, read about Samuel Hung. I read about all these guys and I'm finally getting to see him for the first time. And I'm seeing these fight sequences that are just so hard hitting, so fast, so intricate. It's almost like you had never seen anything like it before. Although Jackie's output in the 90s was still great. Some of the the choreography beats, I mean, there's still like, for example, Operation Condor would have been the closest thing I had seen, which is definitely still of that same style. Right. But I just feel you, you got to see three different masters at work in this one, plus all the supporting masters. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's funny earlier when you uh, said the film was directed by Samuel Hung and Corey and, you know, the credits in a lot of films usually have, only mentioned Samuel Hung and Corey Yoon as like a second unit director, fight choreographer. But, uh, for, for our listeners, um, some of our favorite films of the genre come through the the lens of Corey Yoon writing wrongs. We've discussed that. Uh, we've also discussed, uh, I don't know if we discussed Kiss the Dragon in full, but we've discussed the film Transporter. Mm-hmm. He brings a certain uh, kinetic pace to his films. And by him not being in the film like he was in Eastern Condors, but him being beside Samuel Hung and sort of, being that counterbalance between or that that uh, tribe there's the on-screen tripod that uh jackie yun biao and samuel hung make together where they all share the screen together and with yun biao there it becomes a, a really well-balanced film behind the camera you know that jackie chan is highly involved oh yeah. you know that samuel hung is highly involved and have to have Corey yun there he becomes the like the balancing point this film is one of the most balanced films uh you will find uh, for for such a large cast with so many masters that date back to the 70s. It's an amazing showcase for everyone. And you nailed it right there because even when you look at the credits, Sammo Hung stunt team are the fight choreographers, uh-huh. Jackie Chan stunt team. So you need someone that's familiar with both and worked with both to kind of be the head. 
of yeah. all the fights in action, who better than Corey Ewan, right? Absolutely. And that's the interesting part also. You look at the stuntmen throughout, like the crew of Ewan Waugh. Yes. Eh, one of the greatest villains of all time. Your greatest villain of all time. And there, there's one group. But then, for example, even the boat fight sequence, that's wow. a whole different group of stuntmen, right? You have one of, and, one of the greatest, if not the greatest boat fight sequence of all time. And that is that sequence. I put that up against City Hunter and uh, Kiss of the Dragon. Right. Which is a great scene. But uh, but please continue. On, yeah, oh, on yeah. about the- so you look at the stuntmen in that scene. You know, obviously they were also in the previous club fighting sequence, but you have Dick Way, Fat Chung, uh, mm. Fung Hark on a, a lot of these guys. Uh, oh, uh, and Walker, Lau Car Wing. Yes, coming up the stairs. Yeah. So and a lot of these guys don't pop up at all the rest of the movie, but it's sort of like, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. we need you for this scene. Let's bring in the best of the best. Yeah. And, we, we need you to get kicked down the flight of stairs. We need you to get kicked off a boat. We need you to yeah. to take a, a kick to the head. We need you to deliver a kick. Like even in the, in the cafe sequence in the very beginning, uh, the actor from police story two, who had phenomenal kicks blanking on the name right Benny, now. Benny Lai. Thank you. Right? Even yeah. he just gets in one great kick, probably one of the greatest kicks in the film, although that's really hard to say because there's so many great kicks yeah. right to Jackie's head and then and then Jackie deals with him. It's like they are throwing this movie is uh, is my favorite type of filmmaking. It's we're throwing in the kitchen sink, but we're going to make it work because everyone is going to be fully invested, fully on board just to be a part of history. Yeah, most definitely. So basically, I mean, it's interesting. This film plot wise Nothing to write home about, except for the fact that it has our trio of leading actors kind of playing against character type. You have Jackie as uh, morally ambiguous, maybe is a way of putting it, Uh, Mm -hmm. kind of slightly sleazing, a sleazy womanizing lawyer. I mean, you know, he has a good moral compass at the end of the day, but he's definitely a womanizer. I mean, he is chasing every girl in sight. It's part of the jokes early on is him hitting on one girl, her walking away, and then him running into another one hitting on her. Uh, you've got Sammo Hung, who's playing uh, an arms dealer, really. A, a Whatever he needs man. to do to yeah. make some money. Yeah, exactly. And then you've got Yuen Biao playing this completely unhinged, mentally unstable individual. And they're, they're each playing these characters fantastically, but also going against their own character types that we know them as. And it's it's very refreshing in a sense, but it's also kind of interesting. This would be the last film they all work together. It's almost like they're like, how do we make this last one different? Right. Or we've already yeah. done all this other stuff so many times. Let's all go out with a bang. Maybe, you know, I'm I'm just, there may have been a subconscious feeling. This is the last time they're all going to work together. It was a changing of the guard in a sense mm-hmm. coming out of the 80s into the 90s. Everyone knew things were going to be changing in Hong Kong with the eventual handover in 1997. I might be reading too deep into this, but I possibly that was something that was in the back of their minds. I don't know if you are. And I think also, you know, in between the films that they had made together and this film, specifically Samuel Hung and uh, Jackie Chan were kind of starting to go their own way. And this this movie allowed them to actually have that thing that I think it's really hard to find, closure, mm. and then launch, like f- go full on launch into their own careers. Uh, and speaking of, you know, the three dragons, there's also, you know, we did, you already mentioned Yun Hua. What is, for me, if we just take a moment and just look at that very first scene, I don't know if there's an action film that has a better opening note, not just even the full screen, the full scene, but just a better opening note. Uh, there are a lot of great action films that, you know, so much is hinged around the opening se- sequence and the opening couple of sequences, but that 
when the music comes up and the the credits come up, it's just fabulous. And then the way the scene plays out and speaking of each person trying to do something a little different, we've seen Yoon Wa be almost unhinged evil, like in Eastern Condors mm-hmm. or a ravenous evil in uh, Iceman Cometh. But in this film, he's almost like a Willy Wonka evil. <laughs> And what I mean by I that, love that. It, I love that analogy. Right? Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's like, you know, please don't kill me. Please don't, Mr. Hua, please don't kill me. I won't kill you. And then his henchman kills him. You said you wouldn't kill me. I didn't. It's like, we're establishing at that point that even amongst villains, he is so villainous that you can't, you can't even trust where he's going because he's, he's, He's he's deceived the audience at that point and deceived everyone in the room. Agreed. Fantastic analysis. And once again, I'm going to be doing too much of a read into this sequence. Uh, That's fine. Let's read deep. It's, you know, obviously James Tien is the other drug lord in that scene who was a classic 70s mm. kung fu villain in a ton Double crossing villain. Yeah. And so it's almost like a changing of the guard in a sense, right? I mean, yeah. yes, you and Wa had already been playing a villain for years, but it's sort of like I'm the new age, you're the old school, I'm taking over. And once again, I'm probably reading too far into it, but it's something, it's an interpretation I got from that sequence. So you are correct though. It's it's everything from the music cues to the musical score to the classic yeah. English dub, which is the greatest version to watch. And uh, I don't care what anybody says. That's the first version I saw. I got a DVD of it a couple years after I first saw it. And yes, I've watched it in Cantonese. I've watched it in Mandarin. There's nothing better than the classic English dub. And the interesting part is... It is of the classic English dub style, but none of the voices really are the typical ones you used to hear with Sam or Jackie, the voices you're familiar with. It's just the way it's done. So first of all, yes, it's a nostalgia factor because that's the version I saw, but also just the the delivery. It's they are so in sync with the acting on screen, the great Mm -hmm. acting that Sam, Jackie and UMB do for their characters. These little nuances, the dubbers got and they uh, contributed to the scenes by appreciating these nuances and giving us the English dub version of them, right? Like the little it, laughs, the little cues, the little, even just ah, the breathing you, out you, and stuff of Samo. It's, they just did such a good job. They did. One of the best sequences that uh, speaks to that is the comedic sequence where he has, uh, where he has um, his, his romantic uh, counterpart over for the mm-hmm. evening and Samo and Yun Biao are there and she's she he's forced her out of the apartment and she knocks on the door and just the the timing the comedic yeah. timing of the dubber I have a black eye no I don't and then he goes back in your nose is bleeding ah uh, you've been drinking yeah just like just <laughs> the timing is impeccable uh it, it the the they have they've taken artistic license but they've also like just nailed the spirit of what was uh what was put on film it's really uh the original dub for that is really something uh to seek and get your hands on which is why i love the version i have and they did do a u.s release i believe a couple months ago so you can get the remastered real deal blu-ray both in america and the uk just make sure on those special features it's got the classic english dub which i think they all do now because that's the only version I'll watch. It, it, I'll only watch that or the the Cantonese version with that English dub version soundtrack. Otherwise, I can't watch it. Yeah, it, it's it's like it's like going. I don't know. It's like messing with Michelangelo's uh, David, right? It, you don't. I think he did David. He did. 
Let's just say he did. Yes. He did. I was about to okay. say, damn son, it, Gavin. Yes. Son, he did it. All so, right. Yeah. And if he Everybody didn't do it, it, was a conspiracy by Donatello. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But Splinter got in on that. Yeah. Hoyo. Uh, also, for our listeners, keep an eye out for Union Design's new Splinter design. Oh, that wow. Is yes. straight fire. I saw it on social media. So hopefully we'll be having a shirt of that soon. We'll definitely post the, it on the, our page. Is the social media referring to the group chat that he sent it to us? In? No. Didn't he post oh, okay. it on Instagram? I don't know. He I sent it to us in a group chat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's social well, enough. The There's three of us. Yeah, that's right. But You anywho, want to get on that social media, folks. So we, we kind of touched on the plot. Well, actually, we didn't really touch on the plot. Uh, basically, the basic storyline is Jackie is a lawyer who is uh, pretty much his firm is defending Yuen Wa and his drug factory. They don't know that they're manufacturing drugs, though. And they're poisoning a local fishing pond and the woman is refusing to sell. So she's taking them to court because he's killing all the fish. So Jackie hires both Samo and Yuen Biao to help him kind of try to dig up dirt on them or find anything that he can use against them in court. Long story short, they end up Jackie and Samo falling for uh, both the fish pond owner and her cousin. And then, you know, this and that, everything comes to fruition at the end. And then there's a big action finale where they take on Yuen Wan and his crew. So the and, the interesting part is there there's a, there's a lot of different plot elements going on in terms of, yes, there's action, there's drama, and there's a lot of romance. You have two different uh, romance stories going yeah. on between Jackie and the cousin, Samo and the fish pond owner. And we even get like a montage of sorts, a falling in we love do. montage. Like- now, the one thing I, I noticed when rewatching it yesterday, like I've noticed a few times, I'm just like, wow, there are so many fight scenes in this movie. You are never left with long gaps of the without action. Now there's the longest one is when they start to kind of really fall in love and do that. But you've already been given like three or four stellar fight sequences before that to hold you through till the next one after. Well, you're absolutely right. And, and, and speaking to the romance, uh, Jackie's romance is a little bit more romantic comedy and Samuel's romance is a little more romantic drama. Yeah. And it's a really nice counterbalance between the two. Uh, you do have some like broken hearted people falling in love and, and Samuel handles that on screen again, perhaps best martial arts actor of all time, uh, on screen, uh, so well. And, and his, the way they play that out and counterbalance with, with the romantic comedy in the montage, it, it just, it helps the film move forward. It helps us get tied to the essence of each character a little more because Jackie does keep it. His character does keep it light the whole time. Samo's character is willing to go, you know, a little deeper and, and in the, in the role that he's playing. And so even when we go through that seven minute, eight minute, period of no action scenes it uh the counterbalance keeps us moving back and forth almost like a tango almost like a fight between the two types of uh romance that's going on uh from the comedic aspect what i liked about this you know winners and sinners you know i I love that film and i'm never going to disparage that film at all but where they started at winners and sinners and where they finished at dragons forever uh there's a maturing so even in the comedy, even though it at, there are elements of the Three Stooges here, and some people might consider that Laura Brow, I don't. I think it's. I think they execute that level of comedy at the top of the game, which they did here, is extremely difficult and uh, shows maturity in the filmmaking style. And then uh, it 
go does away with any of the lucky stars comedy mm. uh that is just that that is sort of lowbrow uh jokey humor <laughs> right and jackie's almost an involvement of a lot of that humor too he's a womanizer right but he's a slick womanizer like he's good with the ladies he's not a yeah you know unfortunately for lack of a better term a sexual perverted predator like you know the lucky stars like you were. would get in yeah you, like you would get in some of the some of the lowbrow yeah comedy movies from that time, from the U.S., from Hong oh, Kong, yeah, from Japan, yeah, from yeah. across the world. I mean, it was it was the era of post Porky's, right? And yeah. so this 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 film elevates itself out of out of any sense of the gutter, uh, and is just top of the line. Whether it's doing romantic comedy, uh, dramatic romance, uh, action, or or just straight up Three Stooges esque physical comedy. Right. The, this is really top of the line from minute one, from that opening note to that very last minute. Yeah. And so, by, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and by the way, if, once we start to talk about that final fight, I'd like to talk a little bit about that pre-final fight where Samo essentially clears a room in perhaps one of the most realistic. I, I want to call it a bar brawl kind of fight sequences. We've talked about that with Code of Silence, where Chuck Norris had a very realistic scene. Right. And I have uh, I have some notes on that too, so we'll I look definitely to those get notes. to that. So right out the gate, when it comes to the fight scene, which is Jackie's opening scene is a fight. Uh, you know, he ends up taking on the thugs of the first guy he's representing in court, who are mm-hmm. trying to harass uh, a plaintiff. And he's trying to convince her to settle out of court. So he takes on those thugs. More of a serious fight scene, very hard hitting. Samo's opening sequence is a fight. He's selling some fake guns to some uh, bank robbers. And that one's a little more comical and lighthearted, but still super hard hitting. And that's when you know, okay, we're in store for some amazing fight sequences. Next, we have the very comical three-way fight. Between Samo, Jackie, and Yuen Biao in Jackie's house, which you've kind of talked about briefly, it cuts back and forth between Jackie being on a date with the cousin in his house with both Samo and Yuen Biao somehow ending up in his back room. Uh-huh. And just a lot of great kind of Three Stooges-esque comedy, like you mentioned. A lot of slapstick, old-school physical comedy that just works, right? Like Jackie sneaking Samo around the house while the cousin is standing right there, eventually getting him to the back room, not knowing that him and Yuen Biao have already met previously in the film and hate each other. So they start fighting, and then eventually Jackie's like, all right, I got to get rid of this date. He goes to the back room. They all start fighting together. That's when you talk about the bloody nose and then the this and the code and back and forth. And it's just a great little bit of I should, it's a fantastic bit of physical comedy mixed with yeah. some incredible fight choreography. Well, and, and you know what? In and when we're talking about straight up straight up fights, those are the straight up fights, and they're actually two in between there where it's kind of like Jackie versus Yun Biao in in Yun Biao's like warehouse apartment, yeah. <laughs> and then there's then there's a uh, Samo trying to tackle a thief who's Yun Biao doesn't realize they're working and trying to do the same right. thing, which is bug the bug the fish pond owner, and it's more like one of those dodging things where Yun Biao's like slipping out of his sweater and Samo's trying to tie him up. It's very much. Uh, Gary Daniels, Jackie Chan esque when they're trying to like slip, slip where they're like slipping from each other while they're trying to like hit each other right. in uh, much, City Hunter. Much more comical all the way through the sequence when the three of them fight. Then they go to a club afterwards to try to hash oh, things out. And then yes. in the club, we get an amazing, serious. It's got, you know, you and Biao saying some comical things throughout it due to his character's nature, but very hard hitting fight sequence where we also get to see you and Wa's henchmen mm-hmm. because they're there as well. 
fighting like Billy Chow gets some great beats yeah, in there. I was going to say who can you do my mentioning who is two lead henchmen are so Billy Chow and uh who's the who's the ball gentleman? Oh, uh I can't think of his name right now, but uh he's an but ugly guy. Both of guy. them I mean he takes some phenomenal hits oh, later yeah, in the film. For oh sure, my goodness. For sure, and I should know his name and unfortunately That's okay. I'm, I, sure. I, I'm asking you because I blanked on it too. Yeah, but I mean Billy, you know, I'm a huge Billy Chow fan, so uh, my I'm mostly focused that, on him. That but, one whip kick that he that he hit right before he stops fighting and yeah. lets the three dragons go on is phenomenal. Right, he has a punching sequence which finishes with like a spinning hook kick that's just yeah. spot on. And then you know, we've got other action bits throughout, but then eventually when it comes to light, Samo and Jackie's uh, less than their unscrupulous actions come to light where it, it ends up, OK, they were using the women at first. They've they've now legitimately fallen in love, but the women find out what was initially going on. Everything blows up in their faces. Jackie is you know, uh, obviously Samuel's pissed at Jackie and UNBL. Jackie's pissed at UNBL and then Samuel. The three of them end up having a fantastic fight sequence in like a little parking lot fantastic. outside of the house. So good. It's the still lines got the, on yeah. those kicks. Oh yeah. And Jackie's jump spinning wheel kick, the hip power he generates. It's interesting. I think when Bruce Willow, a uh, fellow podcaster, incredible martial artist, he did a whole video on how to generate hip power like Jackie Chan. I think he uses that clip of Jackie kicking over Samo right there because uh-huh. it's just phenomenal. And then you've got moments where the two are fighting together and the other one teams up against that person. And that guy turns on that one and they're falling down on cement, no pads. Some of these hits, you're like, Ooh, wee, that's got to hurt. And even though it's comical, it's still so hard hitting. It, it's, 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 it's different than say like the three stooges who you, you never really believed was like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, wise guy. Eh? Boom like poking in the eyes and stuff. Yeah. No, this I mean, is they, like that, but actually hitting each other for real. Yeah. They, they, they had timing. This had timing and, and technique. This is phenomenal. Uh, this, this fight sequence. And, you know, again, it, it, uh, it kind of uh, calls back for me to winners and sinners when you and Biao and Jackie Chan have like a seven second fight in a park. Uh, but now we have the added bonus of having an emotional content behind this fight sequence and all three of them involved. And most likely on the other side of that camera, Corey Yoon calling the shots so that the three of them know to stay in line. We need emotional content. I said emotional content, not anger. Uh, <laughs> me uh, doing a terrible Bruce Lee impression once again from Enter the Dragon. But so, yeah, eventually they resolve everything and they all team up to take down the bad guys. Initially, Samo and UNBL go by themselves yes. to investigate. And that's where we get that sequence you were mentioning before, the pre-ending fight sequence where oh. it's Samo stranded alone in the villain's lair with all of the henchmen, including the lead great henchman, Benny the Jet Urquidez. Yes. Uh, and so Samo, this is his kind of big final fight sequence where he takes them on. And as you said, it is it does have a barroom brawl-esque feel to it. He's doing a lot of big winging punches. Like, how would you take on this many guys at once using big, powerful kicks, taking off his jacket at one point and throwing it? Now, it's interesting. My first thought on this is... Samuel's obviously the director, and I feel for the final, final fight scene, he wanted to be behind the camera. So how do you give him an exit from the finale? Well, this is how you give him his own little mini finale first. And on top of that, he takes on Benny the Jet. It's very short. However, it's interesting because this could also be the representation of the elder brother. Uh, So uh, 
Daigo Dai, so he would be the big big brother, whereas mm-hmm. Jackie was Daigo, right? And so it's like, okay, if Jackie beats Benny the Jet at the end, you can't have Samo having lost to Benny the Jet. So instead, they set it up where it's Jackie takes on the henchman, then uh, Benny comes in, Jackie goes toe to toe with Benny, but he's eventually tackled by all the henchmen. And that's the way Benny beats him. Now it's never clearly established whether Samuel had been able to beat him, but at the same time, it's not okay. He lost to Benny and then Jackie beats Benny. So it's kind of the perfect out for them. Absolutely. And so that, uh, Samo can be behind the camera for the big finale, probably with Corey Yuen because he wanted the final say on all the action. That's also why we get such an incredible final sequence with, UNBO taking on henchmen and then primarily Billy Chow, Jackie mm-hmm. taking on henchmen and then Benny the Jet and UN Wa. Yeah, uh, the that uh, the pre-final that pre-final fight or the final fight for Samuel Hung, I believe, and I it's getting dark here, so I can't look at my notes. I, <laughs> I noticed that it's the, the sun's definitely going down. I'm in a closet right now once again because the audio came out so great last week, so it'll be interesting. I'm going to open the closet door and be like, "Oh, it's dark." So I, I believe it's 15 henchmen, including Benny the Jet, as the 15th. I could be wrong. Wow, I'm, you I'm counted. Well, I did. I just did a recount in my head. So I'm like, I was counting the lines. That's when my eyes, like, eyeballs rolled up into the top of my head. That's when I'm doing numbers. Uh, but the way he gets through the initial pyramid of guys to the people at the door, and then he works his way, then he has to work his way back. But like that one kick he delivers to the guy's chin i mean oh yeah again, the slow motion shot holy cow Some great First slow off, the motion. flexibility accuracy and you know we all know that samuel does make contact that's part of the deal with samuel he wants realism on camera uh, we've had uh, we've we've talked to people who, you know who've who've been there and taken that impact that is one of his you know, he did the uppercut to uh, Richard Norton in Lucky, twinkle, twinkle, Lucky Stars. Twinkle, Twinkle, Lucky Stars. This is like, okay, well, I did the uppercut already. Now I'm going to put my heel to somebody's chin. Uh, and then he works his way back through. And then, you know, once the henchmen have a hold of him and Benny the Jet just delivers that sidekick. Once again, in slow motion. Yeah. In slow motion. I mean, it, it makes contact. There's, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, and then the way they sell it, I mean, everybody goes flying. Yeah. And then they they hop him up on a heroin, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it should be uh, mentioned that, that the heroin is fantastic, but right. that they hop him. I mean, that's that's how you take Samuel out of it. Right. He needs a, he needs to get kicked in the solo plexus by Benny the Jet so much so that it knocks at least ten people down, and then you got to put uh, stick two needles in him of heroin. Yeah, and so you have those slow motion shots, and then eventually Jackie and UNBL come to confront them find out Samuel's there they're not uh, excuse me they're manufacturing narcotics and then there's the big finale and right at the beginning there's another fantastic slow motion shot one of my all-time favorites where it's like Jackie is sweeping a guy whatever and then UNBL jumps up and kicks the gun out of a henchman's yes. hand so you have like three different b- bits of action going on and it cuts to a slow motion shot UNBL's up in the air kicking the gun out of his hand and it's just such a great shot right there to start off that whole it's, sequence it's it's great it, it's it is literally uh like a pool like uh pool cue breaking breaking the rack right that's yeah. i think what it's called with you I don't, I don't know pool terms but that's essentially how it played out for me it's like this ball the the white balls hitting all the other colored balls and then they're going in different directions <laughs> i love it that's a great analogy visually that's a great way of explaining it because that's what's happening it's kind of exploding yeah. outwards 
Yeah. And I will say, like, I, I don't know if we were going to talk about it too much, but what I really do, we, we've, we've talked about, we talked about it at the convention, uh, the anime, anime comic con, uh, Los Angeles comic con. We talked about this where one thing that we really love about martial arts and the Bushido way, it is not exclusive to men. It is empowering to all who mm-hmm. do it. And what I love is the sweetest, uh, character, the, the one who's come across as the, the meekest character, the cousin mm-hmm. is being held and she has to defend herself. And, you know, martial arts empowers people to be able to do that. And she ends up using a device, a microphone as nunchucks and <laughs> has a fantastic, you know, great forms and takes care, t- takes care of a villain. But I mean, that's all. I love that while this film is essentially sort of the the ending of an era, the sending off of Samuel and Jackie in their separate ways, they don't, they don't just make an action film each character has a story arc but also they make sure that much like so much of samuel's like directing career and so many of his stories there is empowerment for the female lead martial artists in the films as well very nice and really we don't get to see any female action in this one unlike a lot of other films from that era but it is a great little bit that's thrown in there so as we finish up this finale pretty much jackie takes on half the henchmen Yuen Biao takes on half the henchmen. And I feel of the split, I actually enjoy Yuen Biao's half a little bit more because we get to see his fantastic acrobatic Mm. abilities thrown in there, which that was my first introduction for sure to that. I had read how he was the best acrobat. And there's the he's pretty much taking on Billy Chow with a bunch of other guys at the same time. So there's a lot of slipping, ducking, dodging, uh, diving away from attacks. And he does, there's once again, an amazing slow motion shot that's done from a bird's eye view of him doing a backflip on a, what would you call that? Like a a railing or a walkway that's high above the ground as he's backflipping over someone else and then lands perfectly. Uh, And it's just such great movement. Eventually he beats all the other guys, finishes off against Billy Chow with another great slow motion, phenomenal like catch kick to the throat and then stuntman going backwards, obviously not Billy Chow. He's being doubled, but just such great use of slow motion to emphasize not just the beautiful aesthetic, like the sequence where UNBL kicks the gun out, but also the hard hitting action and seeing the stuntman literally go backwards and land full force, his back on a cement edge. It's just, how do you fake that? You don't, you knew, you know, that had to mess the dude up probably for life. <laughs> like the way he probably. folds like that is just it's insane. Amazing. Every time I see it, I've seen this film a lot of times. Yes. Every time I see it, I'm cringing as it's happening. I know it's going to happen. I almost want to look away. Then it happens. And I, Oh, it still gets me in my gut. Yeah. How it, did he do it? I don't know. Thank you very much for your service. Yeah. And this doesn't take away from Jackie's fighting of the henchmen, which is amazing as well. But UNBL gets downstairs first, decides to take on Benny. Benny does an incredible jump spinning back kick through the air from an elevated position. Once again, slow motion. You see UNBL take that kick instantly, comically puts him out. He stands up, gives a thumbs up and then passes out. So this kick. Yes landed in his Adam's apple. Yeah, like, I mean, throat region at best, maybe top of the sternum also, you know, but he just runs straight into it. There, There's no way Whew. to, you know, he just, you see him kind of trying to brace himself as best as he can in slow motion, but, oh yeah, that's a, that's, you know, that could go down as one of the hardest hitting kicks ever in martial arts cinema, but, okay, so then we get Jackie, Samo, excuse me, Jackie, Benny the Jet, and Yuen Wah are left, right? And mm-hmm. 
the difference between this fight sequence between Jackie and Benny and the fight sequence between Jackie and Benny in uh, Wheels on Meals is the fact that the Wheels on Meals fight sequence obviously has more of a lighthearted nature to it. It's more like an athletic endeavor. This fight sequence is more of a violent chaotic ballet of sorts right wheels very, on meals very good very good assessment yeah wheels on meals it's, it even says let's treat it like a training session it's two athletes going at it like a kickboxing style this one is a man fighting for his life against a psychotic drug dealer and as he's fighting benny the jet he also has to deal with un trying to sneak in attacks and yeah the, in, the willy wonka is back yeah the willy wonka is back in the way he'll he'll attack and then move out start smoking his cigar and just the little physical bits he does the way he jumps the way he adjusts his tie the way he slips up and down the banister of the stairs slithering like a snake slithering like a snake perfect and just so cool and so collected and so psychotic but that's where we also get that great bit Jackie's eventually had it, and in the classic English dub, part of my French, he says, "You bastard!" And then in the yeah, in the Cantonese one, "Pokaya," you know, bastard. Like you know, he's just so angered at him. And eventually, Yuenhua leaves because he sees uh, Pauline Young, uh, the cousin, trying to call nine one one. And then eventually, he's taken out by Samo, who manages to muster up the strength to fight him and poisons him with a poison needle. Eventually, Yuen Wa overdoses kind of and dies. So then we're left to just straight Jackie and Benny going at it. Once again, a phenomenal sequence that's just a lot more violent. And it's a lot more writing wrongs. Yeah, it's a lot more writing wrongs. Great analogy, definitely, because it's good versus evil. There is no, hey, we're, you know, partners in this dance this one is instead one of us is going to die today and it's not going to be me and even the way they hit there's and then jackie getting popped in the nose and blood leaking down right yeah way more violent than and yes he, I mean, he's bloody and sweaty and wheels on meals but just the way this one happens where he gets popped and just gushes out his nose well you, you know what i like is it is good versus evil and just even when he's like popping the the buttons off of his of his shirt you know, and like taking the shirt off and like even the, even the sleeve where it just pod, there's just so much like aggression and fury going into that. But what I, what's really funny is, uh, you know, Richard Norton once said the hero, if you're ever in doubt, the hero shirt comes off and <laughs> Jackie's shirt comes off yep. in the sequence. Benny's shirt stays on. Well, cause remember Benny never yes. had that impressive of a physique, even when he was fighting at his lightest. I, I would say when he was fighting at his lightest back in the day, he had a strong athletic physique, but even still it's just, some fighters are like that. Some fighters... Yeah, he wasn't He wasn't a weightlifter. He was, no. he was a world champion fighter. Yeah. And, but even some of, you know, obviously you look at our sensei, Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham, who wasn't a quote-unquote weightlifter either, but he was jacked as hell, right? And they yeah. fought around the same weight classes, but it's just different physiques, different genetics, different, you know, like uh, Benny carried a little more softer, you know, tissue. And in this one, you can actually we'll see, call, we'll, we'll call that speed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Hey, different way to generate power. Right. Yep. But there's also, I love some of the just subtle nuances in the choreography. Like Benny does a couple of feints where he like, you know, faints yes, him and it's that so, faint sequence is yeah, phenomenal. He, huh, and then he smiles knowing he got him like, Oh, I got you to move. <laughs> I got him to move, which is just so you watching Benny do it. It's, you know, so beautiful. It's, it's, it's art in motion. He's a true master 
of his art, which is kickboxing. And it, it would take somebody with years of ring experience to pull that off. Anybody can do a feint in a movie, but to really do it like he does and sell it is just so good. And then I know. You, you, you know when he's doing the faint and like when at first when they bring the 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 hands up to the camera yeah this time i i really looked at benny's hands and man those are fighters hands those are mitts yeah and yeah. <laughs> there's yeah there's like a comical bit in it where they they throw a sequence of like five or six punches and they're blocking and hitting each other. Then they pull away and shake them off because they're in pain, but it immediately cuts back into the seriousness of the fight sequence. There's yeah. also great utilization of zooming in like zoom shots, mm-hmm. which adds an interesting dynamic. Once again, slow motions thrown into this fight sequence. We have, yes, that final kick that Jackie does, which is not Jackie. I believe it's Chin Carlock doubling him. And then the, the final kick where he kicks Benny through the glass is done in slow motion. Once again, in this remastered, version yes. I have you can clearly see even in the final slow motion shot of Benny going through the glass and the Jackie character's way in the distance but in this version you can clearly see it's not Jackie whereas in all previous ones it was so like blurred out you're like oh, I can't tell but yeah I mean and there could have been numerous reasons why he was doubled for that kick maybe not having as good of control uh, anymore or maybe he had an injury or maybe he was behind the camera too and wanted to really yeah. see how it sold or, or maybe that was a pickup shot they had to do later for all we know because i think the guy who went through the glass pane is not is oh, yeah. clearly not benny the Definitely jet either not. so it, it does make sense that it could have been a pickup shot where yeah. they're like they did the kick but they didn't get that they need one more shot and so let's just throw this stunt man through through the glass and then we'll have uh whoever it is there sitting on the other side yeah and so, I mean, that's pretty much the end. The good guys win. The bad guys all get their comeuppance. And uh... so I'll just say Cyclone Z, the Japanese version, has outtakes. Yes. Which on these Blu-ray releases, you can watch the Japanese version Fantastic. with the outtakes. So and, I, I got to watch them and they were a lot of fun. And you also probably did see the version with the psychiatrist. Yes. So that's in that. the classic English dub international cut, yep, which is the yep. one I grew up watching and hadn't seen in almost 20 years until it's I got so this Blu-ray. So- because the Hong Kong versions don't have it. The Hong Kong version doesn't have it. The regular U.S. version didn't have it, the back in the day one uh, that I saw. Uh, but the Japanese Cyclone Z version had it and the English dub version had it. Right. And when uh, it is interesting to see the outtakes. And it is interesting that they just didn't have them in the international cut or in the Hong Kong version. Because, uh, I mean, obviously... They the had them available, but the the briefcase sequence is one of the funniest sequences. I mean, where he's trying to get uh, you know the cousin's phone number for the first yeah. time. He busts the sequence down. He's like got got his pen out, paper out, and then they put the card in his mouth, and she walks away. And he's 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 lost all his cool, so he re, he regains his cool for the camera by standing up, flipping the briefcase, and catching it. But I mean, the outtakes have have a lot of uh, mishaps of that sequence. But it's just I I don't know it's. It's an absolute masterclass. It is truly one of the great Hong Kong action films of all time. It is one of the great action films of all time. Uh, I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I love that we're kicking off 2023 with with uh, one of the great greatest films. Yeah. So if you have not seen this film yet, you can rent it through Amazon Prime. There's it's streaming on maybe like. It, it bounces around occasionally on like it was on Paramount Plus for a it while. It was on Paramount Plus yeah. there for a minute. Uh, but I suggest buying the Blu-ray. So go on Amazon Prime, find, make sure it's the U.S. version unless you have a, which is now available unless you have a region free player. But it, the Blu-ray is worth it. If you're interested in getting into martial arts cinema, this is one of the greatest made from the golden era. 
and the nice part is you can watch it and it's not like, okay, everything is below this now. Oh, nothing will ever be as good. No, that's the beauty about the films from these, this era is they all have something to bring to the table. This just happens to be maybe one of the best introductions. Cause you get to see all the key players in one yeah. film, both stuntmen and major actors and Samo, Jackie, you and Biao. And then from there you can appreciate some of their solo work, the other projects they Absolutely. did together. So I would recommend this as one to start right out the gate. Cause you will not it, be disappointed it, in terms is, of actions and uh, excuse me, action and martial arts. Yeah. This, this is a gateway film. And what's great about this is all the other films are fantastic as well. You're going to enjoy it. But what, what's wonderful about dragons forever is you can keep coming back to it. You watch a film with James Tien in the seventies, early eighties, you come back and rewatch dragons forever. Oh, you're starting to place people. You watch, you watch dragons forever. Then you go watch project a, Oh, now you can place a Dick way. Although, you know, there are a lot of films you can place Dick way and you watch a uh, pedicab driver. You can, you know, uh, take a, you know, then go watch, uh, Dragons Forever. You 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 can start to place every yep. single person. I mean, they just throw them out there. They're all in this film. Yeah, and they're all at their peak, almost doing incredible stuff. So yeah, great introduction film to classic Hong Kong cinema, Golden Harvest era. The final film that the three dragons did together. And then even seeing this one, you may be like, "Wow, I want to see some of the other ones they did together." So then you can explore the plethora of films that they have of many different styles. Some are zany, yep. wacky comedy. Some are more serious, but this is an amazing film. Highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it in a while, go back and rewatch it. If you've only seen one version of it, maybe pick up the Blu-ray so you can see the other versions of it, like mm -hmm. the English dub or the Cantonese dub or the Japanese version, et cetera, et cetera. So final closing notes. I had a lot of fun watching this. I and always have a lot of fun watching it. Anybody yeah. that wants to come over and watch it, let me know. I'm down to watch it anytime. Call your Greyhound bus because the flats are down. But yeah, hit on <laughs> well, I don't. I don't think you have a problem with Fresno I because know, I know. yeah, people are. Uh, but we do have Southwest flights, so hey, that is. Oh, there you go. But real quick for language corner, I thought uh, since it is a Hong Kong film, and once again, I don't speak Cantonese, which, as we all know, is the official dialect of Hong Kong, and so I apologize. There's other people that speak wonderful Cantonese, such as Sifu Alex Richter over at the Kung Fu Genius Podcast. So you can always ask him if you want to learn how to uh, speak. Uh, a certain word, but definitely ask him through his YouTube channel and become a Patreon supporter because then you get your questions answered. Anywho, so for me today, I am going to teach us the word for drugs in Mandarin or specifically narcotics, right? Not uh, like, you know, pharmaceutical drugs like our medicine, which would be yao. You say literally chur yao, which means you eat medicine. No, we're going to do drug drugs. And it's interesting. It is a word I learned early on just because it's something you want to avoid when you're in mainland China, because I did not want to go to Chinese prison. So drugs, dupin. Dupin. Yeah. D-U-P-I-N is the spelling in pinyin. Du, rising tone. Dupin. The down and up tone. Du, dupin. Dupin. There you go. Dupin. Yeah. In Jap in Japanese, it's I think it's mayaku. Yeah, Ma don't don't, don't act like you don't know. You know. We no, no. Well, I've seen a lot of like movies, <laughs> right? And they were saying mayaku, so I'm pretty sure they were after drugs. But for all I know, they were after something else. Yeah, it could just be contraband. But that's your language corner day because this film deals with drugs and narcotics, as UN BBL, excuse me, UN BBL, UN WA is dealing in heroin yeah. and so forth. Dupin. So, yep, that's drugs. Uh, How do you say just say no? 
Just <laughs> 说不要，说不要 ，Say I don't want. 说不要毒品。Yeah. Ah, there you go. 我不要毒品，不要，不要。呃、uh, ，the funny part is, as a foreigner, depending where you are, someone may offer you drugs.、Yes. So you can always just say, 不要，不要 ，I don't want. 不要，我不要，不要。Or 那不搞错。Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, for when you're in Hong Kong. Uh, so yeah. There we go. That's our first episode of 2023, kicking it off with a bang and big things coming this year. Once again, keep an eye out. We're going to be dropping episodes every week. And on that note, this has been a lot of fun, my friend. Adios, adios, amigo. Adios, mijo.